Heavenly Father, we're grateful tonight, Lord God, for the opportunity to be in your house, to have our hearts open unto you, to receive from your Holy Spirit. We invite the Holy Spirit to be here tonight, Lord God, to move and to minister to the depths of our soul. Father, we ask, Lord, that you'll anoint Sister Janice tonight as she comes forward with the word. Father, we pray, Lord God, that no one will leave the way that they came. We ask you, Lord, to be with those that have lost loved ones today, those that are in a situation where they're expecting a lost loved one. Father, we ask you, Lord, that you wrap them around with your loving arms and share with them that you're there with them and you'll see them through the struggle. Tonight, Lord God, as we leave, let you get the glory out of what is brought forward. And let us, Lord God, be tugged closer to your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So good to have everybody with all your smiley face. Amen. Excitement in the air. <laughs> yes, amen. Amen. Uh, we studying on uh, the number number five, chapter number five, the dove and the lamb. Victorious living and effective soul winning services are not the product of our better selves and hard endeavors, but are simply the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We are not called upon to produce the fruit, but simply to bear it. It is all the time to be his fruit. That takes a lot off of us on it right there. When we know we don't have to bear it, but we just we we just bear that we don't have to. So this is uh, right there. Is, is is to me it was like a, a relief to know that you're not responsible That's for right. it, but you just bear it, just like the tree bears the fruit. Yeah. Amen. Nothing is more important then than that that we should be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, or to keep to the metaphor that the tree of the Lord should be continually full of sap, his sap. That's what we're striving for. Amen. How then may we may, may we be so far for us to graphically illustrate by the, by the record in the, in the first chapter of John of how the Holy Spirit came upon the Lord Jesus at his baptism. <clears throat> John the Baptist had seen Jesus coming to him and said unto him, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Then as he baptized him, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a lightning upon him. Amen. The humility of God. What a suggestive picture we have here. The dove descending upon the lamb and resting upon him. The lamb and the, and the dove are surely the, the gentlest of all God's creatures. The lamb speaks of meekness and submissiveness and the dove speaks of peace. What more powerful sound than the cooing of a dove on a summer morning? <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> does does not, not this suggest that the very heart of deity there is humility? When the eternal God chose to reveal himself in his son, he gave him the name of the Lamb. And when it was necessary for the Holy Spirit to come into the world, he was revealed under the emblem of the, of the dove. <clears throat> Is it not obvious then that the reason why we, we have to be humble in order to walk with God is not merely because God is so big and we are so little, but humility be, benefits such little creatures. <clears throat> that humility benefits such little creatures. But because God, as seen, as seen in Jesus, is meek and lowly in heart himself. What's an awesome Amen. illustration. 
The main lesson of this incident is that the Holy Spirit, as the dove, could come upon and, and remain upon the Lord Jesus only because he was the Lamb. Had the Lord Jesus had any other disposition than that of the Lamb, humility, submissiveness, and self-surrender, the dove could not have rested on him. Being himself so gentle, he would have been frightened away had not Jesus been meek and lowly in heart. And, you know, that's what we... Uh, I, I, uh, we know that that we need to be very meek and lowly in heart because the Holy Spirit knows everything. And, and we've... And we've um, we see him... And, know, and, and we know that Jesus is there to cause us to be what we're supposed to be, even though we fail sometimes. And, but <clears throat> we need to get this picture. If we get this picture in our, in our, in our innermost being and see it, uh, a mental picture of it, and, 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 and see ourselves becoming that, it's what I'm seeing myself. I'm seeing myself. When I, there was things that I did I didn't even think too much about. But now, after getting in this book, it's like, Wow. I, I see myself like, hey, I need to grow more. I mean, I need to, I need to grow up. When I thought, okay, I'm doing okay here, you know, but I found out, no, I'm not, because uh, this will point out things to you and let you know, hey, look, you got a lot of growing to do, and we do. No matter how much we grow, we need to grow more. That's that's for sure. Here, then, we have pictured have, have pictured for us the condition upon which the Holy Spirit can come upon us and, and, and abide upon us. The dove can abide upon us only as we are willing to be as the lamb. How impossible that it should rest upon us while self is unbroken. So we have got to be broken. The manifestation of the unbroken self are the direct opposite of the gentleness of the dove. Read, uh, uh, read again in Galatians 5. The ninefold ninefold fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. Man, that last one, self-control. Whoa, glory. I say, Lord, help me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your for your grace and empower me to have this because I know I can't do it in my own own strength. Not in my own strength, but God's strength is with me, with which with, with which the dove longs to to fill us. Then, contrasting in the ugly works of the flesh, the New Testament name for the unbroken self in this same chapter. It is the contrast of the snarling of a wild and of a a wolf and a gentle dove. Now, I looked up all the, uh, you know, the meanings of the, 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 uh, the, the uh, uh, self, the, the, the opposite of what he's talking about here. I looked up the meanings of the flesh, all the things in the flesh, uh, the works of the flesh is adultery, which is sexual, intercourse between a married man and someone other than his wife. Okay. Uh, fornication is sexual intercourse with, with other than a husband or wife. Uncleanness, sexual impurity. Lasciviousness, lust or lustful. Idolatry, worship or physical, uh, a physical object as a god. Um, witchcraft is used as a sorcery or, or magic. 
Hatred in your heart is equivalent to murder. Well, I know we've, we, pastors have been teaching on, on all this. We've been, this is not, this is not anything that we have not been, but it doesn't hurt to, to, to overgo, overcome, over, uh, re, re, uh, bring them back to our remembrance. Variance, lack of, a, of agreement or harmony. Emulation, jealousy, competitive or ambitious driven by envy. Wrath, strong vengeance, anger, or indignation. Strife, bitterness, bitter, sometimes violent, conflict, and and discussion. Seduction, incitement, or resentment to and or insurrection against lawful authority. Heresies, any any belief or theory of the of the of of this. Uh, strongly at variance with with establishment belief or or customs, murder. We all know that what that is. It's not like the, the, some of the average. Uh, what I was reading it says it's not like killing a chicken or food to eat, <laughs> but it's <laughs> but it's uh, or, or but it's like murdering a human being. And uh, drunkenness, intoxication, and reviling is such like drinking, partying that. That extended into the, the night, usually ending in sexual debasterism. So we know the works of the flesh. Um, if we have the works of the flesh, we're not walking in in the fruits of the spirit, and that's very important. That we does anybody have any questions now or any comments on what we've read so far? I think on the on the murder, you know, he brought out, and we don't think of it many times about not just the physical way to exactly. But you know, murdering them with your mouth or yeah, you you do you do character and mess. You, nobody you, really don't think about that. No, they don't. Whispering or talking <clears throat> or backbiting or whatever, they don't think that they murder them like that. It also means to mar the happiness of somebody. Hmm. So we murder, and a lot of times when we don't realize that we have done it, and we you know. It, it, because when you open that mouth to say something, you you think you can think it, twice it about it. It's spoil or to mar the happiness of another, and you do that, and only you do it through hatred and jealousy. So when you're expressing what hate to someone, because love and hate is a real fine line. The same emotion, love. It's the very same emotion, love and hate. And when you do something that will spoil or mar the happiness of another, then it's murder. So the question I think that we might need to talk about a minute or two just because of that is what are some of the things that we can do that mars the happiness of other people? Hmm. How many have ever seen someone that went through a divorce and they were never happy again? Mm-hmm. A divorce can mar the happiness of someone. Mm. Someone went to church and um, was judged heavily, and they never got right back to the Lord mm-hmm. like they should. Whoever was marred the happiness of them. So, how what could happen to you that would cause your happiness to be marred? The reason why they say it, it mars or spoils your happiness when you kill somebody, if it's your child, then you don't have that child anymore. If uh, 
kill your friend, you don't have that friend anymore. If you kill your mom and your daddy, you don't have that mom and daddy. So you have happiness and life is more. So it goes right on down to the point of thinking the thought that, you know, if you could get away with it, what you would. And it, it really gets into the deepness of that. So if somebody else gives that too, let me throw another one. She mentioned witchcraft. We've had people in the church that's prayed against the spirit of witchcraft. Um, I want to bind the spirit of witchcraft and throw it out of here and we have not rightfully applied the, the word of God because the Bible says that witchcraft is the lust of the flesh. But let me give you a word. The word for witchcraft in Greek is pharmakia. Write that down. Pharmakia. I'll spell it. And then you look at it and you tell me what word it looks like. P-H-A-R-P-H-A-R-M-A-K-E-I-A. I'll say it again. P-H-A-R-M-A-K-E-I-A. P-H-A-R-M-A-K-E-I-A. Now look at that word real good. What does that word look like? Pharmacy. Pharmacy. Medication. What does pharmacy do? Medicine. Medicine. Witchcraft is the, the, the practice of drug. Uh, my definition of my Bible says sorcery or practice of dealing with evil spirits, doing magical incantations, casting spells and charms upon one by means of drugs and potions of various kinds. It can be enchantments that's used to inflict evil pain, hatred, sufferings, death, to bring good health, love, and other blessings. So, we were looking at listening to the news either last night or the night before, and there's a, a, a little kid around in was it Taylor City that they found with all this fentanyl. Mm -hmm. It worked in Taylor. That, that had mm -hmm. enough of fentanyl to kill how many people? Thousands. In his house. Yeah. And he had kids there. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. And 99 plus weapons in his house. Yeah. And most of them were loaded with those children. Yes. See, every drug he dealer. At, he worked at the prison in Taylor yeah. and they've caught him. He's been undercover selling drugs. Uh, every them. drug dealer is, is guilty of witchcraft. And see, that's what we, we as a church don't study the Bible enough to find out what mm -hmm. we need to pray against. When our kids get hooked on drugs or our kids get hooked on this, we don't really know what to pray about because. The, the, the witchcraft is actually dealing drugs. They, they would take certain drugs and they would bring it together and they would cast a spell on somebody by using those drugs. Now, God, God said everything I made was good. So, you know, there's there's chemicals and minerals and all that stuff and, and certain pills and drugs and stuff like that that can help you. Mm -hmm. But when you use it the wrong way, then it can kill you. Yeah. So, witchcraft is, is not only usurping your will on another, but think about what a, a drug dealer does to your children. They are usurping their will on that person by selling them that drug. Mm -hmm. 
that's why they're being charged now, and they can be charged with murder. Say, if, if my child took the drugs that they were selling, they could be charged with the murder of that child because they sold the drugs that killed them. See, the, the, the word murder there means hatred, but then when, uh, actually it says here that it's um, when you have hatred. And if you go back another uh, work of the flesh there is hatred, and it's the Greek word ekthra. And it means, uh, not going through everything, to have a tendency to hold a grudge against or be angry at someone. Mm. So when you hold a grudge against somebody, you're guilty of hatred. And any time, the reason why this is being brought up is the, the book is saying, if any of this manifests in you, the spirit lives off of If the fruit of the spirit, which is natural in you, is there, then the spirit uh, can come down to you in peace and he can rest upon you like he did Jesus. But any of this be present, then he must walk away from that. He's got to pull away from that. doesn't mean he loses the spirit. It means the anointing of the spirit's not there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had it happen to where I had to preach a really poignant, important message. And I labored over that message all week. I knew how important it was. And it was like the devil was sitting there itching on all week long trying to get me to lose my temper, trying to get me to get my mind off of it um, to the point to where you have arguments with people and uh, you got a task that you got to do. By the time you stand up to do that task, you're affected by this stuff mm -hmm. and the spirit's not there to do what needs to be done. So we, go, we need to fully understand what the works of the flesh is, but more than that, we need to understand what the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit Amen. of the Spirit is natural. Everybody got so quiet. <laughs> Trying to soak that in and thinking on it. You know, that's, it goes really deep. Anybody got any more any comments from any questions? Let me ask you this: How many of you, right lately, people in the church, you're finding they're not telling the full truth when things are going on? Mm -hmm. I'm just noticing that. Wonder why that's happening. For me, I would do it. Uh, um, Take my sister Linda, for instance. You can't just go up there and tell her anything. She'll be in the hospital. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm serious. I've known that to happen. Well, a lot of people don't tell the truth because they know that to tell the full truth or anything, that it's going to cause division. Mm -hmm. Cause what? Division. Yeah. And, and see what the truth does is it sets people at variance. If you accept the truth, then you're on the side of the truth, but there's going to be people that's not going to accept the truth, so you, you, you've got a variance going on. So the devil uses that to where the, the Holy Ghost will lift off of us. And that's through all of these works of the flesh. There's 17 works of the flesh there. And there are 17 things we need to look at but of the 17 works of the flesh, there's nine fruit of the Spirit. And I think, I guess 
we, we have to reach the point where we have to determine. Although the Bible is supposed to be balanced. Do we concentrate on more of annihilating the works of the flesh? Or do we put our focus more on what's natural for the Holy Ghost to produce his fruit? Because fruit is natural. It's a good question, by the way. So I ask it again. As a Christian, do we put more focus on the lust of the flesh? Or do we put more focus on the lust of the flesh and try to annihilate the lust of the flesh? Or do we put more focus on the fruit of the Spirit, which is natural? Fruit is natural. Lust is not natural. Lust has got to conceive. Fruit is natural. So where should our focus be? Should it be more on the natural fruit of the Holy Ghost? Or should it be on the lust of the flesh that has conceived? Natural fruit. I would say the fruit. Natural fruit. Natural fruit. Natural fruit. Natural fruit. Natural fruit. So, so everyone agrees it should be on the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Right? yeah. So Janice brought us the works of the flesh. So we, before she goes further, we really need to look and center on the uh, fruit of the, spirit. of the Spirit. Now, the word fruit literally means to enjoy a produce or enjoy a harvest. So for us to have fruit, it means that we are walking in the enjoyment of a harvest, and God gets the harvest out of us. Um, this and we could stay here all night long because you've got to love your peace on something But the first one is love. And I think if we can cast, if we, we can grab a hold of love and understand love, the rest of them come. So if we're going to concentrate on love, the word love there is agape, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's over, what, what is the chapter, I think? Galatians 5, verse 22. It says, The fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. Love is the divine love. Joy is the emotional excitement or gladness or delight over your blessings received or expected for self and for others. Peace is the state of quietness or rest. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Rest and repose to be in harmony, order, and security in the midst of turmoil, strife, and temptation. Long suffering is to be, have patient endurance to bear along with, fruit, uh, with frailties, offenses, injuries, and provocations that people do to you without grumbling, murmuring, repining, or, or having resentment. Gentleness is to have a disposition to be soft-spoken, gentle, kind, even-tempered, cultured, and refined in character and conduct. Goodness is the state of being good, kind, virtuous, benevolent, generous, and godlike in the life and conduct. Faith is uh, the living, divinely implanted, acquired, and created principle of inward and wholehearted confidence, assurance, and trust, and reliance in God. Meekness is the disposition to be gentle, kind, and indulgent, and even balanced in your tempers and your passions, and your passions, and patient in 
suffering injuries without feeling a spirit of revenge. And then temperance is self-control. So you, you go there and we start putting our attention on love. And I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Yeah, go, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm just listening to the Lord in that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, I'll tell you, I've preached on this before, and this is really hard to, to and, and fathom and really understand. Verse number four there starts talking about the characteristics of love. And notice what love does. Charity is love. And notice what it's called. That, that word uh, there for charity is the, the, the Greek word agape, which is the divine love of God. And it says, number one, Charity suffers long. Uh, it's kind. Charity envies not. It vaunts not of itself. It's not puffed up. Don't behave unseemly. Does it seek its own? Not easily provoked. Thinking no evil. Rejoicing not in iniquity, but rejoicing in truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And then it says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, it'll fail. Whether there be tongues, it'll cease. And whether there be knowledge, it'll pass away. Pass away. And when we begin to really center on charity or on love, there's nine ingredients to divine love. And if you don't understand the nine ingredients of that divine love, then you'll never be able to walk in that love. The, the first ingredient to it is patience. That's when you love someone in a passive way. You're not in a hurry. You, you suffer long. You bear and believe and hope. And you endure all things. That's, that's love and patience. Being patient is There are members sometimes that just irk the life out of me and they try my patience. They're, my child does it sometimes. Um, I do myself. Sometimes I don't even patient myself. And I'm not patient with Tina at times. But one ingredient of love is to be patient. So anytime that you see somebody that's not patient, they're centered on the lust of the flesh that causes them not to be patient. So when you go back and look at the... the uh, Lust of the flesh that causes someone not to be patient is, hey, they lose self-control. Think about that. So when you're not walking into love, you're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Another ingredient to love is, is, is uh, kindness. And kindness is love in action. You tell me, and this is when my mama was on all her life, don't you tell me you love me, show you, show me you love me. Love in action. And love and action says it never acts rashly, it never acts insolubly, it's not inconsistent, it's not puffed up, and it's not proud. So when you got your love in action, there with it you're showing kindness. So you have patience, then you have kindness, then you got generosity, and, and that's love and competition. And just, just think about that. It's not being envious of nobody and not being jealous of nobody. So what if Betty can sing better than I can? It don't matter. 
I'm enjoying that. I'm not going to be into study. If uh, Pastor Sissy can get up and preach better than I can, I'm going to be happy that she can and enjoy that. I'm not going to be jealous of it. Then the next ingredient to love is humility. You cannot love nobody and not be humble. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. There's no way around it. That's, I like to call it love and hiding. Because when you're when you're humble, uh, you don't want no one to uh, show you any praise for what you do. Just like the other day, Tina went and bought a gift for someone in the church and just went to their home and left it on their porch. She didn't care if they knew who, who got it from, who they got it from, didn't want no praise out of it. It was, hey, I love you and I'm doing it in hiding. I don't care. If you can use it, use it. How many of you have ever had someone in a church in your life that do something for you and say they love you? That's the reason why they did it. But then they paraded it around all the time. They loved They know we're close to being loved. Yeah, yeah. Well, I bought you that car. That's right. Or I gave you that $100. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, you got them shoes because I gave them to you. I loved you. That's why I went and got them. But, you know, yeah. Gonna have to put me on parade, everybody. I've done all this stuff. Then you you run into the next one, and that's courtesy. And that's one thing that the society is last last uh, lacking right now, because love that's courteous is society's love, love and society. While you're out in society, you're courteous of other people's feelings. You're courteous of what other people believe. You're courteous of what other people think. Uh, you're courteous. I mean, I know I'm, I'm going to stir up something. You're courteous about how other people drive. You're courteous about how other people act. You're courteous about how other people think. How they... I mean, and, I, and, and the Lord checks me on this. Cause I can't... I'm, I'm going to tell you, this gets me. And I go in the grocery store, and when I go in the grocery store now, I got my wallet in my pocket, and I'm walking through, and I picked out what I need, and I'm getting to the checkout, and I'm ready to go. Right? So I'm sitting there in line, and there's six women ahead of me, and they're going through the checkout there, and the woman is just sitting there. I mean, this don't make no sense to me. The woman is sitting there watching the cashier. Doom, 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 doom. And hold her pocketbook in her hand and wait for him to come up with a total and say, ah, your total is $55.87. Oh, I believe I brought my wallet. And you won't have to go. I'm sitting here thinking, I got my card in my hand. I'm ready to pay for this stuff. I don't care what it is. She's sitting there for 20 minutes running that stuff through there. And you sit there looking at her like, mm-hmm. Why don't you just give in and get the money out? If you're going to write a check, write payable to yours, and on this day, my signature for grocery, tell me how much it is I write it out, Rick, let's get me out of here. That's, that's not love in society. We're not courteous. I'm the same way. I don't know why they don't go ahead and get their money out and be done with it. And I'm going to tell you what now. Walmart will check your, 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 church, your love in society now. I'm telling you. You go into Walmart. And you shop, and you get ready to go check That's out, right, and there's one cashier for 500,000 yeah. people yeah. in Walmart. 
Don't make sense to me either. <laughs> and you just want to grab something and throw it at someone. Say, Why don't y'all hire enough help to get somebody out of here? They do. They just in the bank. They got self checkout. So so courtesy is love and society. Don't behave unseemly. You don't show out. You don't act stupid. You're always polite. And you're at home with every class that there is. If you're an attorney, I'm at home. If you poor as Joe's uh, mouse, I'm I'm at home. You're never rude and you're never discourteous. <laughs> then the, the next one is unselfishness. Another ingredient of love is unselfishness. And I call it love in essence. And what that means is, is you're never selfish, you're never sour, you're never bitter, you never seek your only good, uh, and you don't retaliate or seek revenge on anybody that does you know. And then there's the good temper, which is an ingredient of love. And I call that love and disposition. So because to keep your temper, you got to have a disposition. You got to have your mind made up. But I'm gonna tell you something, when you leave the house and you get out in the public, if you ain't made up your mind that you're gonna act like you got some sense, yeah. you're gonna lose it. Mm. So people are gonna try you. Mm. It's gonna challenge your disposition. And if you lose your disposition in the public, then you literally are, 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 are not loving in essence or in disposition, I'm sorry. That, that word for holding your temper down is that you're never irritated. Anybody go out in, in the world and you're just irritated mm-hmm. by what everybody else does? One day this week. Now, now we, say, we say we love everybody. Everybody. We, we say, now, I love you. We really love you. Mm-hmm. But how many people irritate the heck out of you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see, the problem is we're trying to love when we will allow the Holy Ghost fruit to come out of us. He will love. Does that make sense? Amen. Then there's good temper, righteousness, and insincerity. I guess you could say righteousness is love and conduct. When you're loving someone, you, you hate sin. Um, you're never glad when it, when things go wrong for anybody else. Uh, but but you're happy when everybody's experiencing good things in life. Last one that I want to talk about, and then I'll turn it back over. Is sincerity, and I'm using this this, this scripture here in First Corinthians chapter 13 to bring this out. That other element of love is sincerity, and that's love in profession. Fit. Profession. That means you're never boastful, you're never conceited, you're not a hypocrite, you're always honest. Don't leave an impression, but what's strictly true. You don't ever be self-assertive. Boy, that's a strong word right there. You're never self-assertive. You don't blaze in your passion of anger, which I'm guilty of a lot. 
you don't grow and dwell on what people's done wrong. Nobody wants to hear what they do wrong all the time. That's not love. You do not love somebody that you pull out everything they do wrong all the time. Lady, you cut your fingernails too short, or you need to be wearing white shoes. It's not. It's past Labor Day, or you know, you be bringing up all kind of things. Nobody wants to hear that all the time. I wrote this down in my Bible a long time ago. I said, sincerity is love and profession. It means you are never boastful, you're never conceited, you're not a hypocrite, you're always honest. You leave no impression but what is strictly true. You never are self-inserted. You do not blaze out in a passion of anger, and you don't brood over or dwell on things that are wrong. You always are just, you're always joyful, and you always tell the truth, and you know how to be silent. You are full of trust, and you're always present the same way all the time, regardless of what the issue is. Boy, that's strong. Mm -hmm. Now, that's what I love. So, it, and get back to what I said, I'll turn this back down. If we quit um, focusing on the lust of the flesh, so to speak, mm -hmm. and start allowing the fruit that is natural of the Holy Ghost to send us to come out, then the world would be a whole lot better place and the anointing of the Holy Ghost would be on you a lot longer. Think about that. Every time that you boast, every time that you're conceited, every time that you act like a hypocrite, now, a lot of people say, well, I'm not a hypocrite. Oh, yeah? Well, hypocrites are when you are playing a role. Your spirit tells you this is what you need to be, and you act different than what your spirit tells you to do. You're, you're a hypocrite. I'm sorry. Uh, I characterized it one time, you know, we got suit coats, and the suit coats got shoulder pads in them, right? And, and them shoulder pads make me look like I got a, a I'm busting my shoulder. But if I take the coat off, then you tell I'm broken off down in my shoulder. And I'm portraying a hypocritical style. But when you really take the cover off of it, you see what I truly am. So every time that you are hypocritical, every time that um, you're self-assertive, every time that you take the time to think about how wrong Pastor Sissy has done you, you're not expressing love and profession. And because of that, the Holy Ghost pulls off Enjoy this. I had to sit down and start taking notes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we know to focus on what we want to be, not what we have to fight with, what the enemy is out there trying to push on us all the time. The flesh wants to do its thing, wants to be satisfied all the time and do. We need to know that the love of Jesus Christ is in us. And we've got to learn how to pull what's on the inside of us out because it's full. When, when we ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into our heart, yeah. all of that came in. And we've got all that. And we, we've not learned how to pull it out. But you know what? 
We are learning how, and in the name of Jesus, we will, uh, it will happen because we are decreeing and declaring that we will walk in the fruits of the Spirit, and it will come natural to us, and we will, and the anointing will rest upon us, and then we will be able to minister like we should, and uh, whatever the need might be, and act the way we should, treat our children the way they should, and everybody else. So that's the focus that we have because when you when you focus on the bad, then that's what you, I mean that's before your eyes, and that's that's what you're gonna get. That's right. But but, but that's it's so easy to to focus on what's going wrong because it's there, you know. Mm-hmm. If you want to change uh, something in your uh, if something's going on and you're not happy with what's happening, you got to overcome it by the blood of Jesus and mm-hmm. the name of the Lord Jesus, because because that's what we can come in with using the name of Jesus and say thank you and with thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. You know, we can say with thanksgiving, we let our request be made. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that I'm bearing the fruits of the Spirit. I have it in me. I'm pulling it out in Jesus' name. I, did, I, I capture and demolish everything that would try to keep me from doing it. And as soon as I find myself not acting like with like uh, the fruits of the Spirit, I need to take control and say, no, uh-uh, I'm not going there. And by the blood of Jesus, I am. It, it's, he is flowing through me. It's not, I don't have to try it's just flowing out of me. Right. The fruit is bare. I'm bearing them. The, you know, it's an apple tree. They bear the apples. So the fruit is the apple. So I just, God does all the rest. Of the, the, the tree, you know, and the branches. And all. But I'm bearing that fruit because the name, the word of God is in me. And the more the word of God we have in us, the more we're going to manifest what we really are, who we are, really are in Christ. Because if we don't know who we are in Christ, then how are we going to manifest it? So we got to know it. So if I decree and declare that I'm more than the conqueror through That's Jesus right. Christ, I'm going to conquer it. So in Jesus' name, uh, we just the Word of God is so powerful, y'all. It, it's so powerful when we use it. But we we can have all, we can have all of it in us. But we but if we don't use it, I mean, I can memorize scriptures, all kind of memorizing scriptures. But if when the problem comes or when the issue comes up and I don't use it. It's not benefiting me what I should, what it should, the way it should. So that's our goal. To, to we want to be able to have the love of God manifesting in us. Praise the Lord. So uh, we'll go on to the uh, disposition of the Lamb. How clear then that the Holy Spirit is everybody there will come upon us and remain upon us only as we are willing to be as the Lamb on each point on which he will convict convict us. And nothing is so searching and humbling as to look at the Lamb on his way to Calvary for us and to, and to be shown in his own many points. We have been unwilling to take the position of the Lamb for him. Look at him for a moment as the Lamb. He was the simple Lamb, a lamb in the simplest of, of God's a lamb is the simplest of God's cre- creatures. It is it has no schemes or plans for helping itself. It exists in hopelessness and simplicity. Jesus made himself as nothing for us, and became the simple lamb. He had no strength of his own, or wisdom, of his own. No schemes to get himself out of difficulties, just simply depending on the Father at all times. And that's what we want to do. 
The son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. But we, how complicated we are. What schemes we have had in helping, helping ourselves of getting ourselves out of difficulties. What efforts of our own we have restored, resorted to to live the Christian life and to do God's work. As if we were something and could do something. Mm. Mm. The dove has to take his flight at least as far as the conscious blessings of his presence was concerned because we were not willing to be simple lambs. If this book don't get you to thinking, nothing will. We've got to be simply depend on God completely. And when we do, then, the, then what's in us will start coming out as fruit. But when we try in our own strength, we, it won't. It does. That's what we've been doing. And I'm shaking this mess off of me. Yes, I'm yes. telling you, I'm getting. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to do what's what's right. I'm ready to allow the Holy Spirit to use me and for me to just flow in it. And can you imagine how wonderful that is to just flow and not just when you're teaching or, or but just living just. Like Pastor Kit was saying, when you go to the grocery store and whatever's going on in traffic, whatever it might be that, that you haven't been having to deal with. Praise he, the Lord. He gave a, a law there of the Holy Spirit in the first sentence where he said the Holy Spirit will come upon us and remain upon us only as we are willing to be as a the lamb on each point on which he will convict us. He's going to take that law. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you and rest on you to the point that you are willing to become like the Lamb. And now He's going to explain the Lamb to you. And He starts out the first characteristic. And He says, The Lamb is simple. It's a simple Lamb. Uh, a uh, simple disposition. Anybody know what the word disposition means? Personality. Partly, yeah. What else? Character. Character. What else? Look at look at the word disposition. What word do you see in the word? Position. 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 Not the disposition means how you are arranged. What your priorities are. You your attitude, your character, what you do, how you react is how you arrange yourself. Are, are y'all getting that point? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you arrange yourself the right way, then what is a, you're going to act in like an arrangement. It's like a computer. A computer is arranged in a way to do certain things, and you're going to go from one file to the next file to the next file to the next file. So if you learn how to arrange yourself, then you can become willing for the uh, Holy Spirit to rest on you. And notice what he said there. He said, only as you are willing to be like the Lamb on every point that He is going to convict us of. Then He's going on further and He said, All right, the first thing is He's saying, This Lamb was simple. He didn't try to get do anything to bring any praise to Him. He didn't have no strength of His own. He didn't have no wisdom of His own. Uh, he didn't try to get out of difficulty. He uh, was dependent on the Father all the time. He didn't have any scheme behind the thing. He was truthful, done everything he was supposed to do. And then it goes on and says, now look at what you've been doing in your life. 
you, you've been uh, having a whole bunch of efforts on your own that you resorted to to be able to live the Christian life and do God's work as if you were something and that mm -hmm. you could do something. And that's our, our problem. Our arrangement on the inside is different. A lamb does not have to be acknowledged. But we think we're something and we can do something. And when we think that and are, we are disarranged, so to speak, then the Holy Ghost lifts, lifts, lifts up off of us. So what our prayer should be is, Lord, help us to be arranged the way you want us to be arranged on the inside. Does that make sense? Amen. That's the most powerful verse of the paragraph in this whole chapter. Praise the Lord. Mm. God is so good to us, y'all. He is so good. So the first one. thing you got to do is you got to be simple. Now, what's the second thing? You got to be willing to be simple. Now she starts out. You got to be willing to be shorn. And I'll say this and let her read it. There ain't a whole lot of people in the church today that are willing to be shorn. Mm -hmm. Read it. <clears throat> then he was shorn the lamb, willing to be shorn of his rights, mm. his reputation, and every human liberty that was due to him. Just as a lamb is shorn of his wool. Oh, I look at that. Willing to be shorn of every one of our rights. Mm. I'm your daddy and you're going to treat me better than that. I'm your preacher and you're going to talk better about me than that. <laughs> Being shorn of your reputation and every human liberty that is due you. It's your right to get it. But you make a determination yeah, I know in society, society says I am supposed to be respected as a pastor. But even if I don't get that respect, then I ain't going to quit being a pastor. That's the point he's trying to make. Mm -hmm. Every human liberty that's due to you, just like the lamb will we're out up there and let you cut every bit of his hair off, you got to do the same thing. I'm going to tell you what, when a bunch of people come at you with a bunch of razors, <laughs> I'll stop right there. That'll put the mindset in you. <laughs> Just as a lamb is shown of his wool, he never resisted. A, la a lamb never does. When he was re reviled for, his, for our sake, he reviled not again. When he suffered... He threatened not. He never said, you cannot treat me like this. Don't you know that I am the Son of God? But we all, we, oh, how many occasions have we been unwilling to be shown of, of that which was our right. We are not willing for, this, for his sake to lose what was our own. We insisted to that we should be treated with the respect due to our position. We insisted and we fought. The dove had to take his flight from us, 
for we were not willing to be shown lambs, and we were left without peace, hard, and unloving. Now he's been the simple lamb, and now he's willing to be the shorn lamb. Now he's about to be a solid lamb. He answered nothing. Then, Father, he was the silent lamb. As a sheep before his shores, shores is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Facing the comeliness of men, we read, he answered nothing. He never defended himself, nor explained himself. But we have been anything but silent when others have said unkind or untrue things about us. Our voices have been loud in self-defense and self-vindication. And there, has, and there has been anger in our voices. We have excused ourselves when we should have admitted, frankly, our wrong. On every such occasion, the dove has to take his flight and withdraw his peace and blessings from our hearts because we were not willing to be the silent lamb. Dear God. If that don't put you in tears. <clears throat> so are we willing to be that silent lamb? When you look at what Jesus went through and how powerful what's on the inside of us is, and we have not allowed it to come out by our unwillingness to be Silent. <clears throat> Anybody got any comments here? The next one is no grudges. He was also the spotless lamb. Not only did, did nothing escape his lips, but there was nothing in his heart but love. For those who had sent him to the cross, there was no resentment toward them, no grudges, no bitterness, even as they were putting the nails through his hands. He was murmuring, I forgive you. And he asked, and he asked his father to forgive them too. He was willing to suffer in the meekness for us. But what resentment and bitterness have, have not we had in our hearts toward this one and that one and over so much less than what they did to Jesus? Each reaction left a stain on our heart and the dove had to fly away because we were not willing to bury it and forgive it for Jesus' sake. I really believe God's putting an anointing in this house to cause us to be able to bear the fruits of the Spirit like we should. Uh, 
Anybody got any comments? Return, O dove. These, then, are the acts and attitudes which drive the Holy Spirit from our lives. As far as present blessings is concerned, and they are all sin, sin is the only thing that hinders the revival of his church. The question of all questions for us just now is, how can the dove return to our lives with his grace and power? The answer is, again, is, is again just simple. The Lamb of God. For he is the only, the simple Lamb, and the shown Lamb, and the silent Lamb, and the spotless Lamb. But above Above anything else, he is the substitute lamb. To the Jew, the lamb that was offered to God was always a substitute lamb. Its meekness and submissiveness were only incidental to his main work, that of being slain for his sin and having the blood sprinkled on the altar to atone for it. The humility of the Lord Jesus is becoming our lamb was necessary only that on the cross he might become our substitute, our scapegoat, carrying our sins in his own body on the tree so that there might be forgiveness for our sins and cleanses from all their stains. What a wonderful Savior when we repent of them. Repentance is so important. The blood of Jesus and repentance is so important. God wants moreover to take us back to that cross and show us our sins, woundings, and hurting the Lamb were there when they crucified my Lord as the old Negro spiritually. Ask the old Negro spiritually. The answer is yes, we were. By our unwillingness to break. We show that we were part of that crowd laying him at Calvary. And, and our gentle lamb was willing for them to do us. And our little lamb was willing for us and to, do so, to do it. In order that when at least we repent, there might be, be precious blood to secure our forgiveness and to cleanse us from all sins. May this alone thought break our proud hearts in repentance. For it is only when we have seen these sins of ours in the heart of Jesus so that, that we are broken and willing to repent of them and put them right, that the blood of the Lamb cleanses us from them and the dove returns with peace and blessings to our hearts. He humbled himself to the manger and even the, to Calvary's tree, but I'm so proud when unwill but I am so proud and unwilling his humble dis dis disciple to be. He yielded his will to the Father and chose to abide in the light. But I prefer but I prefer wrestling and resting, and I try by myself to do it right. Mm. Mm. Lord, break me, then cleanse me and fill me. 
and keep me abiding in thee. The following, the fellowship may be unbroken, and thy name, that fellowship may be, be unbroken, and thy name be hallowed in me. A saintly African Christian once told a congregation.